Jazz Experience, Season 2. Let's go! Thanks for joining us for Season 2. Join the conversation with Nat, Dez, and friends as they share how to transform culture through family. Hey guys, welcome to the Matt Dez Experience. I'm your co-host Matt Gonzalez. On today's episode, I have one of my good friends, Bob Hazlett, in the studio. And uh, we're excited to have this conversation today. What's going on, Bob? Hey, 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 Matt. How you doing? <laughs> so great to be here, man. Oh. It is hot here in California. <laughs> it's hot in this room right now. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, we want to just have a conversation. I know we've you're here for the weekend here at the Mission Church, and uh, you've just been a, such a prophetic voice, not only for our house, also for our life. We met years ago, had you in the Stockton when we were pastoring at uh, Innovation Church, and you've given us some really amazing prophetic words. And even from afar, I don't know if you know this, but you've been like a mentor, really, in, in, in speaking and just uh, following you and just seeing and just being stirred by your life. Uh, ultimate, you walk in this office of a prophet, but you have this edge for the marketplace. And so uh, following your words for 2020, no one would ever thought we'd be seeing what we're seeing right now in 2020. Yes, But you've had such a great perspective. The Lord spoke to you about 2020. And uh, I want you to kind of just share some of the words that you receive uh, for 2020, if you don't mind. Oh, sure. First of all, man, what an honor to say that you helped but to mentor you from a distance. <laughs> I, I'd rather be a mentor than a tormentor, that's for sure. So sometimes I play both those roles with people. Come on. But um, yeah, you know, every year, you know, we, we ask the Lord, you know, what, what are you saying for me personally? You know, what, what you might be saying uh, in the earth? And this has been a strange year for a lot of people. But, you know, can I tell you something? I think that a lot of times we might find ourselves feeling like we got caught off guard. But I think just because something was unexpected doesn't mean you weren't ready for it, you know, right? Because if you live in a, in a relationship with God, he's preparing you. Yep. So, you know, like, for instance, your podcast, you know, you have this great podcast going on and you set that up, got prepared. And then boom, all of a sudden, everybody's like online doing stuff like this. So you were ready for that, even though you didn't expect things to yeah. shift digital, you were prepared for it. Does yeah, that make sense? Totally. I think guys that you're listening, you know, you might be caught off guard or feeling like you, you know, weren't expecting things. But if you're walking in a relationship with God, you've been prepared for yes. it. And that's a good thing to know. And I think you know, when it comes to the prophetic, it's it's less about trying to predict things than it is really um, being prepared for that's what good. God wants to do. And maybe be prepared for some of the things that might happen in the earth today. So um, yeah, what would you like to talk about? I mean, I, they'll show me a few things about what might happen in the church, what might happen in business, what might happen in government. I mean, what would you like to Yeah, talk about? I like to talk about the church and business because those really, I mean, we kind of went over a little bit of it yesterday. I didn't get to read all of it. Yeah. Uh, but the church and business is very strategic and just feel, you know, you. I feel life on it. I just feel the Lord's presence on it. There's a weightiness to it. Sure. And I think it just will help the listener to kind of engage like, how do we make sense of everything that's going on right now where there's chaos, people are trying, you know, how can I find a sense of certainty in a time that feels so uncertain? Well, I think, well, that's, you just asked another question before we get to these words, right? So how can I find a sense of certainty? And I would say, you know, maybe it's not certainty that we need. Maybe it's creativity. So uh, you don't get creative until you get into the uncertain space. And so we want things to be certain. Now, a lot of people saying, hey, there's a new normal out there. We got to find the new normal. Let's find the new normal. And, I'm, and, and I think we can confuse normal with constant. Ooh. So there might be a new normal. And you know yeah. what the new normal is? That everything's going to keep changing. So don't look for a new constant. 
the new normal is is that you got to be creative, adapt, pivot, you know, all those things. But you know, let me share with you some of the things that I felt like the Lord prepared me for. Now, I will say full disclosure, I did not have a word for 2020 that there would be a global pandemic. <laughs> and if I'm honest, I'm not sure we have a global pandemic, but that's another conversation. <laughs> we do have something that has affected us on, yeah. a, on a health-wide level, affected us financially, uh, it has affected us yeah. uh, geopolitically, right? Um, and so I think there are some things that have prepared us. One of the things I did say, I felt like the Lord told me, was that this was going to be a year where our sort of revival gathering moments would be changed into um, community building moments, that, that, that we would shift from a conference gathering culture into a revival culture mm -hmm. that centers around uh, city transformation and community building. And so that doesn't say specifically we're not going to have conferences and we're going to all be online on Zoom, right? But <laughs> it does actually, in effect, say, yeah. you know what? God might be up to something. This might not just be a conspiracy theory yeah. to shut the church down. It might also be God using it to redefine how we do uh, community life and spirituality. So this is a good um, you know, moment for redefinition of yes. those things, right? Um, one of the things I said was that I, this next season is going to restore the, the beauty of the local church to the city and the power of the pastoral office to its rightful place. I think... You know, particularly those of us who have been in what we would call the revival culture. And yeah. if you're listening, you know, we, we're the charismatic revival culture. We've been centered a lot around uh, itinerants and prophetic people, um, you know, worship movements, yeah. which are beautiful, which transcend maybe the local church. They're translocal. But God's, God's ideas for the, and the solution for cities was always that his, his called out ones, his ecclesia, mm -hmm. his church would transform their cities. And that takes shepherds. And so I think there's a course correction in that we have gotten away from the church being local transformers to the church being translocal influencers. Wow. You know, which isn't a bad thing. It's just, it's not either or, it's both ends. Good. Right? So yes, the church is translocal, are translocal influencers, but we should also be local transformers. Yeah, come on. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And so that, that, that falls into line with, and I'm just going to share this one last one about the church and I said, I felt like the Lord showed me there's a new hybrid leader emerging. The last 20 years, God merged the gift of a prophet and evangelist and created revivalists, prophetic evangelists that were tools for the harvest. And I'll explain that in a second. The next 20 years will be the merging of apostles and shepherds, Ooh. the builders that will build sustainable revival centers. And, you know, that sounds like it's, it's a lot of it's, it's a little bit yeah. of a technical language, maybe, you know, insider language to those of us that are in the ministry. Right. But it, it really just means that God took sort of the gift of people that had the ability to draw people outside of the church with that gift of people that motivated people towards the spiritual gifts in the church, merge that together to take the spiritual gifts outside of the church. That's been the last 20 yeah. years. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's the revivalists. And they could be that could be literally like, you know. House moms that get together and interpret dreams for their neighbors, or it could be uh, businessmen that, you know, use their spiritual gifts to uh, minister to people yeah. in an airplane. And we, we've seen all that. And there's YouTube videos of all that stuff out there. Everybody's doing the stuff, as they say, which is great, right? <laughs> yeah. But now think about this. We've got harvesters reaping the harvest. Well, where, do you put the, where do you put all the harvest? You bring it into the storehouse, to the barn. We need a house for harvest. So who builds houses? Apostolic people with apostolic vision, but people with shepherding 
grace on their Love life that. to get to to build together. So I think those two gifts, I see that, and I you know I see that as you know could be apostles that will have a grace to raise up yeah. people that will shepherd people in community, yep. but yet still transform. So if, if I'm going to bring this language down to its most simple form, apostolic people have a vision to, to transform community. Pastors have the ability to create community and care. So those two things need to happen together because we can't have city transformation if the people aren't cared for. That is so good. We also can't have city transformation if the people aren't equipped to go back into their city. So I think this is a beautiful moment. And in, and in it, with it, I think the church will be restored to its rightful place that God, Jesus died for it to, to be. So that's just some of the things you wow. know, that, I, that I saw for that. And, you know, there might be more to that, right? Yeah. I mean, I love that because even uh, it was end of February, beginning of March, one of the things the Lord had been speaking to me is actually a word I released here is that he said, we're going from platforms to tables. And I actually saw this whole thing because, you know, in the Old Testament, you have the table of his presence in the New Testament before the Lord's about to, you know, uh, go to the cross. He's sitting at the table of communion, both hosted his presence. And I feel like there's something you're saying there about this hybrid of apostolic and pastor that is really going to be centered around the presence again. Right. And community. And that's something that is needed. not seeing that platform ministry is done with. It's it's only going to be enhanced. But there's something about gathering around the table, gathering in community, even smaller uh, uh, groups of that, where it's overseen by a apostolic father. And uh, you're starting to see this a little bit, but I think it's even going to go deeper. And then the other thing you said that I think is just so profound, just about where the church is going, you know, is uh, not only this hybrid, but, you know, some of the things that you've been sharing here this weekend, and uh, we've had some conversations, even in the green room, you know, one of the things that I really seen you, Bob, and as a as a prophet, is that there's something about fathering the prophetic right now. And uh, you know, we've had a little bit of conversation. There's just so much going on in the atmosphere, in a lot of charismatic circles, a lot of you know prophetic words, just throwing things out. Yeah. Um, as a you know, I consider myself still young, somewhat, mm-hmm. uh, but what would be some advice that you would give a, a prophet? or, you know, those who are prophetic that are, feel like they're hearing God's voice in this time, specifically just some protocols before releasing something online? Yeah, wow, that's a really good question. And really broad. I mean, you use the term father, and I, I am a father. I have yeah. two kids, and I, I'm raising two kids, and one of them's an adult. Well, they're both adults, but they're in different levels of adulthood, right? And I think the same thing with the prophetic, you know, we're at different levels of maturity, right? And as raising as a father, raising my kids, you know, I... I had to teach them, you know, what was, you know, what was God's voice? What was their opinion? What was their conviction? Come on. And I didn't want them. And I have two girls. I want them to be powerful. I want, I don't want anybody to tell them their voice doesn't matter because they're a girl or, you know, their voice doesn't matter because, you know, they're a Christian. So I wanted them to be powerful, but I didn't want them to, com- to mix up their conviction and their opinion with the revelation that comes from God. And so, you know, I taught them, you know, what's the difference if a dream is from God or if it's from you know, you watched a movie and, wow. you know, what's the difference if, uh, you know, you had an experience and then you're, you're frustrated about this experience, but you're going to, you know, are you speaking as a prophet to that? It's a conviction. So I think um, when it comes to fathering the prophetic or us helping the prophetic office or the prophetic expression to come to maturity, it really, it really isn't about telling people what's right or wrong. It's helping them to discover 
what's them, like what is their opinions, their convictions, and what's revelation. You know, ultimately the Bible says, is the Bible has to be the definition yeah. of, of what revelation is. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So yeah. what prophecy is that I stand in the counsel of the Lord and he reveals to me what Jesus wants to do in the earth. And then I, I have the privilege of speaking that out or declaring that out. Now, I might have some strong convictions about justice issues or gender issues or morality issues. And I, I have a right. In fact, in some of those cases, I have a responsibility to say what the word says. And in some of those cases, I have just strong opinions about maybe the you know treatment of certain people groups or an experience around injustice that is valid and I should share that but that doesn't I shouldn't put thus saith the lord on something that's my opinion or my conviction I should only put thus saith the lord and I don't even use that terminology but I, I should only label as revelation that which I have heard from the counsel of god yeah. and then I've now bringing the testimony of who Jesus is in that yeah. in that situation that's revelation. That's, so we have to define for people and for others. So I got to define for my kids. What's their conviction? What's their opinion? That's valid. You have the right to speak that. But don't say God told me. Mm. Just say, here's what I feel. You know, here's what I'm feeling about this right now. And that's valid. But your feelings and your convictions are not thus saith the Lord. And I think that that, that right there alone, that one piece, that's if good. we all would say, Lord, you know, what it, which is, which, whatever that I'm feeling is from the counsel of God, and what is it from my heart? And then the other thing is I tell my kids, you know, that's okay for you to ask me that question or say that to me, but just because you feel that doesn't mean you have to say that, yeah. right? So they might have a dream about a friend of theirs or situation, and you know, I might say, well, this is what the Lord's saying, but you're supposed to pray about that. And so that's another thing that what might be helpful for us is that is like, you know, we had to say saying as a kid when somebody got really passionate and they talked really fast and they spit on you, we'd say, say it, don't spray it, <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Say it, don't spray it. You know, I'd say, you know, you got to know what you're supposed to say and what yeah. you're supposed to pray. Maybe it's pray it, don't say it. You know, sometimes we get revelation from God and they're like, oh, I got a dream last night from God. Let me tell everybody about it and prophesy it to you. It's like, maybe God wants you to, but maybe God wants you to pray that into into that situation. So I'd say that's another question I'd yeah. ask myself as a growing person. What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to pray? That's so good. Um, so, hey, pray it, don't say it. It's sometimes going to save you some, from some trouble. Because sometimes the rejection we experience mm -hmm. is we say things we're supposed to be praying. You know, and we, we give people revelation. They're not ready to steward. We haven't earned the right of relationship in their life. And even Jesus didn't do it. Jesus said, I talk in parables because these people aren't ready to hear. And so you guys, I can tell you what this means because you have ears to hear. But they actually didn't know the meaning of the parable. Matthew 13, that's the parable of the sower and the seed, right? He said, but these people have ears and they can't hear, eyes and they can't see. So why did he put it in a story instead of saying it prophetically to them? Was because he wanted to create questions in them. And when the people came back to him with questions, he knew they had ears to hear. And the disciples came back with questions. What did that really mean? And he said, oh, you're ready to hear because curiosity is the precursor to revelation. And, if, and a lot of times what we want to do is we want to give the truth as we see it. 
but they're not ready. So we got to make them curious wow. about it. And when, when we see the curiosity in people, that's an indication they have ears to hear. Now, a lot of times in the lives of leaders, it's like this. When a leader comes to you and asks you for, for your opinion, then you're given the right to speak. But a lot of times young you know, prophetic people get rejected because they haven't made connection first. And when you make connection, then you can give correction, revelation, direction, and you actually know when you're supposed to and when you're not. And I find I have been given permission by leaders to say things that I don't even need to say because they, their hearts are positioned for mm -hmm. God to speak that to them. So I can actually give them less than I know and God can lead the rest to them. And that's actually more important for them. Because if I tell a leader, do th the Lord says do this, this, and this, then they're going to go, oh, I'm going to do that because I got a prophetic word to do it. But they may not have a conviction. But if I say to them, I feel like the Lord is telling you do this, but I'm thinking beyond that. I'm thinking so the Lord says do one, but you, you're really going to do two and three. But two and three, they discover because I said one. But if I told them to do one, two, and three, and then they, get, they do one and two, and they're like, three becomes really hard. They're going to be like, yeah. oh, I don't really feel like doing this. And I just, I'm just doing this because I got a prophecy to do yep. it. And I don't have a strong conviction. I haven't owned this thing. So now that's one of the things you learn as you mature in these things is that it's way better for people to discover things on their own than for you to tell them. That's why Jesus didn't tell people who he was. Even his own disciples, he asked them questions. So who, who do people say that I am? Yep. Oh, you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, you know. And he's like, oh, who do you say that I am? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Well, why didn't he say, I'm the Christ, the son of the living God? Because when they discovered it for themselves, it could never be taken from them. Mm. I've given you the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> you know, that's it. And what we want to do is we want to give people the house. But God wants to give them the keys. Wow. We want to say, this is the house God's given you. Go get this house. But they don't have the key to stay in it. They don't have the authority to walk in it. They don't have the... So we as prophetic people have to create an atmosphere where it really, what I say is, when I give a word to somebody, it should actually create more questions than it gives them answers. Because I want it to be a conversation starter for them now to seek God more and more. Wow, that is so good. You know, you said so many things, and I was just, you know, thinking about this, how, you know, uh, even when the Gospels were written, the Lord allowed the writer's personality to come through. And so he can use our personality, but doesn't really need our opinion. And so many times we're trying to give our opinion in the prophetic word right. because we don't have that maturity. We haven't maybe went through that process. Now, a question I'd ask with you, because th this is a day of social media. You see it and there's lots of prophetic words being put on Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know, uh, different uh, platforms for prophetic words. And it's hard to even have maybe like what you were saying, connection, right? Yeah. We want to have connection. It almost feels like we have to come up with a whole new uh, strategy of protocols, uh, protocols for online words or Facebook, because, you know, we don't have that personal connection. One of the things I learned a long time ago is like, I used to go in as a young man and they would say, hey, go for it. Well, my go for it and their go for it was too different. Uh, yeah. And I would go in and blow up a place and it'd be messy. So I had to learn to be able to discern and engage what is their next step, not taking them to where I'm at. Because if I take them to where I'm at and not take them to where they need to be, there could be a disconnection. I see that even with the prophetic sometimes. You kind of voiced it right now. I love how you just package it, how you said it, even just uh, the definition, vocabulary you used. 
with this Bob, how can we become better at even connecting with people, say online, that we don't have a connection with where there may not be that relational aspect? Do you have any thoughts on that? It's a really good question. I think, I mean, social media is such a great format for creating conversation it's not the best format for coming to conclusions that's good right so um and it's not it's not interactive i mean honestly you know when we post something we're not looking for someone to to give their opinion we really want them to just agree with us which which is fine you know what i mean it's (laughs) it's totally cool and so i think that when it comes to prophecy online i think that it's valid i mean i think you should encourage people you should comfort them, mm. you should equip them. Like that's what that's what prophecy yeah. is for. Um, but then I also think, and most guys that I know yeah. that are in that space are also, you know, they they got they got people with skin on them around them too. They're yeah. they're building community and they have relationships, and that's that's very healthy. As far as protocol, you know, I don't think we need prophetic policemen, but I do think that we need to. You know, let ourselves be governed by the Holy Spirit and mm. also community. The Bible says many times it seemed right to us and the Holy Spirit. It seemed right to us and the Holy Spirit. So then we move forward. So I, I think there's something to be said about the need for agreement in the prophetic community about um, what is just a, a helpful and healthy expression of that uh, in that medium. Because yeah. it is, a, it is a, a newer medium, right? It's not the same as... Yeah being in a church setting, in a church culture, church community, or, or a conference culture community. Um, so I love it. I love the prophetic. I, I mean, I think we're at a place where we're growing up. Now, yeah. I want to flip this a little bit because you also mentioned there's so many voices and people yeah. have asked me, like, well, how do I know who to listen to? So I tune everything out because there's so much noise. I tune everything out. And I, and I think that's sad for me. Um, I don't want to stop reading books just because there's you know, books out there that aren't good for me to read or maybe aren't as well processed or aren't speaking to me where I'm at. So, but I would do this. Like I find myself when it comes to reading, like there's certain authors that I'll, I'll read a series of their books in that, in that period of time in my life. And I can go back at times in my life with certain voices that spoke to me during that time. I yeah. won't name those names, but there's certain seasons that certain people I really gleaned the most from yeah. it. So what I would say to you is, you know, don't look for more voices. Look for mature voices. Ooh. Find the voices that resonate with you in the season that you're in. Because you're not going to miss anything. That's the whole trap of the internet is FOMO, fear of missing out. Yes. And so we grab, we follow that person, that person, that person, because we don't want to miss out on what they said. Or then we're going to go on this class in this room. <laughs> and I would say, like, find the people oh that my. are speaking to you in that season and let God, like, let God put that seed in you. Whether that's a, maybe, a, you know, a mentoring class you sign up to for a year or just mm. someone that you follow and then you take what they post and then you, you actually dig down into that, you know, in yeah. your life. And what does that mean? Like, actually take it. Don't just take the, the three seconds that resonated with you. But actually, if that resonates, yeah. when you're scrolling and something resonates with you, Stop scrolling right there. You got your word for the That's day. That's good. That's it. And then dial back and say, God, all right, let me dig into this because this resonated with me. And perhaps you just found one of the voices for that season, for this season of your life that can help you grow to the so next good. level. Instead of, you know, getting fragments from everywhere, trying to piece them together, just find the voice in that moment that resonates with you. And it could be one or two voices. And obviously, the primary voice should be those that you're in community with, 
those of that that yeah. are in your tribe in your dna and and that love you and your family yeah. but i always like to have those voices that come alongside that resonate with my family and add value to me who i am as a person as well does that make uh -huh. sense yeah makes sense you know if you're listening right now bob just dropped a nugget don't look for more voices look for the mature voice that is key i got one more question for you bob you know one of the things i so value is about you is that you the ability to bring definition vocabulary to the prophetic uh, how you've uh, taken what we would call Christianese many times, but make it transferable to the marketplace. Yeah. What are some keys that you can give those who are listening right now who may be in the marketplace, uh, are highly prophetic, were trained in the church, but are trying to look how to develop new language to make it crossover and understanding for those who are pre-believers or the marketplace? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and I think I wanted to find why I'm like that, you know, because I know that, there are a lot of cultures that just, you know, use the word prophet, um, use, a, you know, Christian language, and I'm not yeah. against that. My particular calling is marketplace guy. So I, I equip people that work in the marketplace. I speak into people in spheres of influence of government business. And so I can't, you know, come in as, you know, a prophet with King James language. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I don't criticize that at all. I have, I have many good friends that are in that culture. Um, but I'm raising up people that, you know, they can't call themselves a prophet, but they might be chief of staff to a government official, or they might be CEO or CFO or in fact one person yeah. you know, that I talked to this week, chief of staff for a company, right? And so I think for me, it's important. It's a passion. It's part of my culture. I don't want to say that that's something everybody has to have. The reason that I, I emerged there is because of my relationship with God. And I'll just tell you my journey in that because I was a you know, Pentecostal guy. Thus saith the Lord, you know, prophesying, the Lord says, God, God says, the Spirit of the Lord says. And um, there was a year in my life, uh, it's 1999, the Lord spoke to me, and I was in January ministering at a church, and he said, today, I just want you to pray for children, 10 years and younger. I just for the Holy Spirit, I said, oh, okay, I can do that. I can obey that voice. So I called for the children 10 years and younger to come up. It, then they let out the children's church. I ended up with about 15 first that came up and then i looked up later about 10 minutes later there was 80 kids there because they had let the children's <laughs> church out so i i was there for a while i was there for about three hours but i remember i still remember the first boy i prayed for and i was going man you're gonna be a powerful man of god the lord says i'm gonna use you like a voice for god thus saith the lord you're gonna be a mighty evangelist thus and and i opened my eyes i looked down and the kid's literally picking his nose like he's picking his oh nose my. while i'm prophesying and the other tells me something, you know, if, if you're prophesying to someone and they're picking their nose, you may, <laughs> you may not be connected. I'm just oh, saying. Like, so he's picking his nose and I'm looking down and, and, I, and I literally was like, Lord, he does, he's not, he's despising prophecy. In my head, I'm about to be like, son, listen to me. And uh, the Holy Spirit <laughs> spoke to me and said, he doesn't understand what you're saying. You got to say a different language. And so I said, hey, buddy. He looked at me like, yeah. I said, you know, you're kind of a sneaky guy. He kind of scrunched up his face. I said, you hide from your mom a lot. Wow. And he laughed. And his mom was standing behind him. She says, mm-hmm, just like that, mm-hmm. And I said, you hide behind the stairs of your house. There's a little cubby hole that you go back there and you hide from your mom there. And he, was, he got scared because I, I outed him. He didn't know. And his mom goes, oh, mm-hmm, <laughs> that's where you are, right? And, he's, and, I, and, and so I come kind of teasing him. And I'm like, you know why you go back there? said, because that's where you hear God. Wow. God's going to speak to you there, and you're going to speak to other people. And, and the mom starts crying. 
because she knows this is her son, right? And I said, and you know, you don't have a lot of friends, but you have a best friend. It's called the Holy Spirit. But you're going to connect with people and you're going to have friends and you're going to speak to them and tell them about God. And his mom just was weeping because she's thinking her kid's not doing wow. good. He's by himself a lot. He's hiding. And it's really God pulling him away to the secret place. And so I did that, um, that three hours that day, just looked at kids in the eye and said, you know what kind of person you are? And you'd like this. And there was, I have some amazing times right there. I lo- one little girl I looked at, I'm like, I see you playing two instruments. One's a keyboard. And then she said, I don't play the keyboard anymore. I said, I know. I was about to say. And then a violin. She goes, yep, that's what I play. And literally, it was amazing because kids won't fake it for you. Wow. You know what I mean? So I was like, I like this kid. You know? So I did that for three months everywhere I went. And I finally asked the Lord, why do you, why you have to want me to prophesy over kids? And he's like, you're, you're talking different. I want you to change your language. Because wow. if it, you know, the USA Today newspaper at one time was the most wed, uh, widely read newspaper. It's written at a sixth grade reading level. That's why it's most widely read. Most people can understand it. Wow. So the Lord said to me, you need to speak in a way that a kid can understand you. And if a kid can understand you, then a person on the street, a homeless guy, a businessman, politician, they can understand you too. So good. So that's for me why I changed my language and my, my gut, my, the way I govern myself is I want to say it in a way that a 10-year-old can understand it or a 15-year-old can understand it, you know? So I, I would encourage you just be really natural in your relationship with God. Like he might train you in a different way. Yeah. Like it, it may not be my journey, but that's how it came about to me. And at a time when you know, maybe marketplace ministry or seven mountains or those kinds of languages weren't being used. I was being prepared. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't expect it, I was prepared for it. Wow. You know? That's so good. So yeah. good. Well, it's about that time. Any uh, last words you'd like to leave the guests today, Bob? Yeah, I would say, you know, first of all, I know that you guys are really passionate about the prophetic and you're passionate about family. And so talking about kids, you know, I would say that, you know, include your family in your process. You know, like we when we were learning stuff, we would talk to our kids about it. And then our kids would have dreams. And then we talk. And now I get some of the best. My daughter sent me a dream the other day. Like I told her, she, I was leaving for a flight and, and she texted me. She said, have a good flight, dad. I'll be praying for you. I'm like, have a dream for me. And, and I just texted it, you know, to her. And then she literally like, while I'm on the plane, she texts me, ha ha ha. I had a dream after you, after you texted <laughs> that. You know, she told me the dream. She goes, I don't know what it means, but I did. Right. So I'd say like, make it normal, natural for your kids. Talk to them about it. You know, I had an experience. My mom, uh, when she had a spirit filled experience, started having visions. And uh, I never knew this until I became an adult. She had prophetic visions and she started sharing them um, with the leadership of our church. And they thought she was needed medication. So they medicated my mom, put her on tranquilizers because wow. she was having these visions. They didn't understand it back then. But if I had known that as a kid, I might have not run away from my gift for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think when you embrace things as a family, we embraced healing. We taught our kids to pray for one another. We taught them, you know, not just like you don't just pray when you're in front of a, in, in front of a crowd. You pray when you're in the back seat. One time my daughter literally cut herself. She's in the, she's in the baby seat and uh, she's crying and screaming. And, that t- and then my older daughter's like, pull over, dad, pull over. I'm like, no, pray for her. Like I had to keep my voice calm. You pray for her. Wow. She puts her hand, one's six, one's two, or maybe one's seven, one's, one's three at the time literally puts her hand on her thumb she prays for her. the cut heals the bleeding stops 
Come on. Like, that's crazy. They'll never forget Come that on. stuff. So I'm saying, like, ministry starts at home. It's in your everyday yeah. life. You know, prophecy starts at home in your relationship with God. And not that you're prophesying to your kids. You're teaching them how to hear God's voice. Uh, you definitely don't want to prophesy to your spouse. That might not work out too good. But, you know, <laughs> raise your kids prophetically. And, you know, be a prophetic husband or wife. Hear God and you will be a better wife, right? Hear God and you will be a better husband. But, you know, I say my wife doesn't need a prophet. She needs a husband. My kids don't need a prophet. They That's need good. a dad. That's important because I think as this thing moves on, what we're moving into is a demonstration of the kingdom of God in family that will then spread to community that will spread to city transformation. That's good. You know, if we get whole and healthy individually and have whole healthy families, we'll have healthy communities and healthy cities. Yeah. And that's really, the, I think the key to city transformation is family transformation. Wow. That is so, so good. Thank you for being on this episode, Bob. I know you have yeah. so many resources. You have a book, Thinking Like Heaven, so many other resources. How can people continue to follow you, glean from you? Uh, you have a website, yeah. social media, anything you like to give out? Here's, here's what I want to do. I'm talking to you about a book I have called The Roar, God Sound in a Raging World. The reason is my, I have one daughter that was 15 when I wrote it, um, and she read it. She said, Dad, this is like one of the young adult books that we read at school. Like I, I, you, your language, your jokes, your humor, your illustrations, it's like written at my level. And I'm like, that's exactly who I wrote it for. I wrote it for her level. So I, I would say you can read it. There's, a, there's, that, there's the, theology in it. There's practical wow. application in it. But the roar, God Sound in a Raging World, you can get it from my website, Bob Hazlett, H-A-Z-L-E-T-T, bobhazlett.org. And you could go through it as a family. There's a study guide where you guys wow. could do prophetic games and exercises together. Um, and we've had literally thousands and thousands of people go through it in church settings, small group settings, family settings. Um, yeah, so check it out. I'd love to um, give you some tools to help you to grow uh, in your journey and hearing God's voice. Come on, make sure to get that. And guys, remember, families where life begins, destiny is found, identity is enhanced, and love never ends. If this podcast has enriched your life, make sure to rate it, review it, subscribe, and would you share this podcast with a friend or family member as it helps us to extend our reach. Thank you for listening to the show today. Until next time, this is Matt Gonzalez. We are out. Be blessed. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the Matt and Des Experience. This podcast exists to inspire and motivate you to transform the world around you. Continue the journey with Matt and Des Gonzalez by liking them on Facebook and checking out mattanddes.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.